curious, how many were here last week for the second service? See your hands? Okay, last week, we were like this. Everyone was sitting over there, and it was empty over here. Today, we're balanced. I'm not sure what was going on over there, but no one wanted to sit over there last week. First time in all of years of being in the building, it's been like that. Kim closed out using the term, uh, we exist to help people reach their full redemptive potential in Christ. Most of you have noticed when you walk in the building, that's on the wall right there. And, and it really is what we're all about. And so today we're going to look at something that's uh, very specific about that developmental journey that God intends for each of us. But let me start off by, like Kim, talking about babies. Babies. We see them, we wonder what they're going to turn out to be. We know that they have so much potential. They, they have so many capacities that when they're this age are undeveloped. But we're confident they will develop. So when they're this age, you know, they probably can't dress themselves, they can't feed themselves, but as time goes on, they're able to do all these things. I, I mean, your, your evidence, are you not? How many of you have learned how to dress yourself? Can I just see your hand? <laughs> I know you know how to feed yourself. So we, we develop these capacities. We have capacity-expanding experiences so that what we once could not do, we become able to do and able to do pretty easily. You see a baby and you wonder, who will this baby become? Well, here's who this particular baby became. He just retired uh, this week, as many of you know. Uh, Tom Brady, my opinions only, I'm about to state, <laughs> greatest quarterback for sure of all time, probably the greatest football player to ever play the game, played 22 seasons, had his best season uh, last year, would have been in his eighth Super Bowl if one guy would have just kept his shirt on. Some of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but um, he retired. Now, it's interesting, Tom Brady, when he was uh, being considered coming out of the college draft, 199 players were picked before him. He was picked in the sixth round, and the word on him was this. It's like, he's smart and he's determined, but not much skill. <laughs> they didn't feel he had the raw talent. This guy ended up setting every record that can be set in football. Matter of fact, just to put it in perspective, he passed for 48 miles uh, that's about 84,000 and some yards. So he becomes this extraordinary person. Now, here's the question. How did he go from being a baby to becoming this, accomplishing all this? Well, the answer is, is he went through, he put himself on a path. He entered into, knowingly and maybe unknowingly, a process of capacity-expanding experiences. Now, we all have the opportunity for capacity-expanding experiences. God intends them. God ordained them. They are part of his developmental program, his developmental path for each and every human being. But there's no guarantee that you and I will enter into those paths. And unless we enter into that path, those processes that expand our capacities, they first of all have to awaken them, develop them, keep them moving and growing. Unless we enter into that path with God, we don't realize our full redemptive potential in Christ. Once we put our trust in Christ, our creator, and become his follower, now we're, we're entered into that developmental journey that God always intended for every human being. Adam and Eve were meant to stay in a trusting relationship with God and just continue to grow and develop until they become, became Christ-like themselves, but they broke trust with God. Once we trust Christ, become his followers, we're in at least the start of this developmental journey. But there are things that God wants us to understand and cooperate with him 
so that we do indeed develop along the way. And if we don't either understand or if we don't cooperate with him, this development doesn't take place. So capacity expanding experiences. You have the capacity, everyone in this room, particularly everyone in this room that's trusting in Christ, you have the God-given capacity to become an extraordinarily beautiful person. I mean, to become a truly great woman, a really great man. I don't mean great like in the secular way of thinking that you're you know, a mover and a shaker, but I mean great like in you are one that manifests in a world that's crazily selfish. You manifest care and compassion and helpfulness and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and righteousness in a world that is so increasingly unrighteous. Great men, great women, beautiful lives. That is exactly who God intended you and I and all of us to be. But we don't grow in that regard. We don't develop. We, we get stuck unless we embrace these capacity-expanding experiences. So we're going to look at a portion of Scripture in just a bit. So this is our focus today, capacity-expanding experiences. These bring the power of God into our lives, and they release them through our lives. And we're going to look at a portion of Scripture in just a minute in the Gospels. But let me take you to the first heading. This path, this process of capacity-expanding experiences, this is step number one. I have to be willing to undertake more than I can do. We have to be willing to undertake more than you can do. Now, I know some of you are thinking, are you saying that we should definitely overextend ourselves? We, we should, you know, stretch our lives to the maximum point where we're, we're burning out? No, that's not what I'm talking about. Nothing even close to that. But you're going to see it is critical. We will not develop these capacities unless they are stretched. And the way that we stretch them, and this is something we have to cooperate with God, is undertaking more than we can do. Let me show you from a scripture. Jesus, this is the, the feeding of the 5,000 to kind of give you background because I'm only going to look at a couple verses. So he's got this mass of people the scripture says there's 5,000 men we don't know how many women might have been there and children so it could have been as many as 15,000 people he's been teaching them all day long and now he, he's going to address their, their hunger problem Jesus replied he's talking to his disciples they do not need to go away you give them something to eat the disciples said Jesus look they've been here a long time they're tired and they're hungry you need to send them home so they can get some food and Jesus says they don't need to be sent away you meaning the followers of Jesus, the 12, the disciples, you give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. And Jesus says, bring them here to me. Now, there's a lot going on here, so let me unpack it a little bit. First of all, the disciples felt completely not responsible and inadequate to meet the needs of these people. I mean, they just thought there's no way we can meet their needs, and so therefore we're not responsible for it. They can go home. They can, they can get food. So, you know, they weren't even considering, and they, and they thought to themselves probably, and if we were going to, we don't have the resources. We've got five little, and those loaves of bread, they weren't like our nice sliced loaves of bread, you know, fat sliced loaves. They were these little flat pancake-looking things. So they had five of those and two fish, and unless they were whales, they, they were not going to feed that many people, you know. So they're probably just tiny little fish. So... The disciples are saying, Lord, or at least thinking, we don't have what it takes. You are asking us to do something. Let me rephrase it. You are telling us to do something that we can't do. We don't, we don't have the resources for it. We're, we're inadequate. We're incompetent. 
We do not have the ability. This is too stressful. This is too hard. I'm an introvert. You've got to be an extrovert to do this. Or I'm an extrovert, and it takes an introvert to do this. We, we have that sense that I'm being asked by God. God wants me to do something. God's word says he wants me to do something. There's a need. There's a, a need that God brings to my attention. And I sit there because I say, well, I can't. I can't do that. I guess if it gets done, somebody else will have to do it. Now, I want to get real personal with you for a minute. Think deep here for a minute. Has there been a time in your life since you've been a follower of Christ where you had a sense, a need was spoken about, some kind of a need, maybe a congregational need or some other need, and you had a sense that maybe God wanted you, not somebody else. Somebody else is the one we look forward to do everything, but you personally you felt this nudge. I, 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 should, I should do something. I should do something. But then, but then you started a thought process, and the thought process, you're like, but no, I, I, I don't have the time. Man, my schedule is stretched too thin, and, and I'm too stressed out as it is, and I don't have the time, and I don't have the experience, and I don't have the talent, and I don't have the money. And, and you went through this list, and you finally pulled yourself back. You declined from doing something that was frankly feeling overwhelming and impossible for you to do and maybe it was impossible you didn't have the time you didn't have the talent you didn't have the treasure you didn't have whatever it was and so you pulled back and you have since distanced yourself from that invitation that the spirit of God was giving you to meet some need that you know God wanted to meet and he wanted you he wanted you to do it with your time and your talent and your resources and your life learnings and your spiritual gifting he wanted you to do something that was terribly uncomfortable. Let me go further. It was utterly impossible. There was no way, no way these guys could meet the needs of 5,000 people. What was Jesus doing? Why did he put this on them? Why does he put this on us when he, he knows we, we, don't, we don't feel competent, we don't feel adequate? Could it be that he's trying to give us a capacity-expanding experience? He, he wants to stretch us. He wants to catalyze capacities that are within us. He knows that they are there. They are meant to be catalyzed in union with himself in doing his work and doing his will. And he knows until we are willing to do what is impossible for us to do, but we're willing to do it with Jesus, these capacities, they're, they're never going to develop. They're, they're never going to come alive. They're not going to awaken. They're not going to stretch and grow. Jesus shortly after this would go to the cross and he would turn over his entire ministry to these 12 guys minus Judas Paul ends up taking that place they would be ministering to people in mass they would be telling people the truth about God and the truth about life those close and those far away they would be doing things they had no ability to do that they felt completely inadequate but they would trust Christ and they would just go out and do it and they changed their world in a very short time they were able to do what they could not do because they were willing to try to do what they could not do apart from Christ's supernatural enabling them to do. Go back to your experience. I wonder, I wonder who you would be right now if when that, that nudge came to you that God wanted you to do something that you didn't feel you could do but you felt like maybe he wanted you to do to meet some need I wonder who you would be right now if you would have stepped into the ring and said okay 
I'm going to try it. I'm going to just trust you, Lord, and I'm going to jump in. I wonder who you would have developed into. I wonder what kind of changes would have occurred inside of you. I, I wonder what new adventures. Listen, this is what I've learned through my life. Once you take the first adventure with Christ, it doesn't end there. He just keeps taking you on further and further adventures that stretch and expand your capacity and the whole time, you're feeling terribly inadequate, often uncomfortable, and downright afraid, to be honest. But this is part of God's developmental program. So these experiences that expand our capacity. So he tells them to feed them. They take their five little loaves and their two fish. And of course, we know the answer to the story or the end of the story. Not only does everyone get fed with what these disciples had, portion, portion of this that I missed, we have to, like them, be willing to give everything we have. You, you, what do you mean everything? E everything. All they had, I mean, this was going to be a pretty lousy lunch for 12 guys. Five loaves and two fish. They were giving up their lunch to meet the needs of others with no guarantee that they would eat that day. You and I have to be willing to take what we have, everything, my learnings, my life experiences, my time, my talent, my treasures, my spiritual gifts, I need to be willing to put those into the hands of Christ so that he can take them, use them as he pleases, then he can multiply them and meet the needs of people in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. But, but I gotta be willing to give all that I have. I don't need much. I mean, maybe I don't have much to give him, but I'm gonna give him me. I'm gonna give him my all. He's gonna have my schedule. He's gonna have my heart. He's gonna have my time and, and everything else that I have. Then he multiplies it and he meets her needs. Now, you guys know how the story ends, some of you. They end up with far more than they started with, they meaning the disciples. They end up with these five little flat loaves and two fishes. At the end, Jesus collect all the extra and they collect 12 baskets full of stuff. So they, they probably end up with 10, 12 times more than what they started with. You and I cannot outgive God. Again, I'm not talking about burning out. I'm not talking about stretching yourself too thin. I'm talking about staying within the context of what God has equipped you and I for within the realm of our roles and relationships and responsibilities, but still being willing to try to do what we cannot do, what is impossible for us to do apart from Christ's enablement. Well, that, that's, that's a capacity expanding experience and Jesus will absolutely all through our journey with him he'll be inviting us into those kind of adventures the next time you have that nudge a need gets mentioned and you think I, I like to do that but I don't feel adequate the next time why don't you turn that around and jump in and say I'm going to do what I know I can't do but I'm going to trust Christ to enable me to do it and watch the journey that you get on. They wouldn't have got to see this extraordinary miracle. The, the needs of this mass of people would not have been met if they weren't willing to try to do what was impossible for them to do. Let me share a few more verses with you. 2 Corinthians 3 shows us the same principle in action. The Apostle Paul felt it. He says, such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are, what is the word? Competent. I'm not competent to do what I've done through the years. And most of us are not competent. Christ is constantly calling us to do things, you gotta let this sink in, that you don't feel competent to do. You feel like saying, man, somebody else should do that. I, I don't have what it takes. Don't miss those invitations. Not that I'm competent, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence 
It comes from God. You don't find out about that confidence until you step in to do what you know you can't do unless Christ comes through. All right, let me share one more. Isaiah, going back to the Old Testament, just gives us this personal assurance because we're scared to get into things that we might tank on, that we might not be able to follow through on. Here's the Lord saying to us, he says, do not fear for three things, for I am, what does it say? Jesus was with those disciples. He said, okay, give me all that you have, put it in my hands, and then it was redistributed and it multiplied. The first thing we need to understand when we're facing something that we are inadequate to do, but we know that it's within the realm of God's word and will, is to just remember, we're not doing this alone. God is with us. That made all the difference. It makes all the difference with all of our lives. I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will, what does it say? strengthen you that's the problem we, we need strength we need power we need the ability to do what we don't have the ability for he promises that and what else we worry man I'm going to jump into this thing and then I'm going to be overwhelmed and get in trouble and you know I'm going to be inadequate and things are going to get messed up he says no 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 don't, don't worry about that I'm going to be right there with you and, and I'm going to coach you along and I'm going to help you I, I'm just going to ask this how many of you that since you've put your trust in Christ and become his follower you have at some point or another you've jumped in into some there was a need you jumped in you felt a little scared a little hesitant but you jumped in only to find not only were you able to do what you felt you couldn't do but you found tremendous excitement it became an adventure you developed you changed you grew and and now you have a new confidence that you can do things that you can't do when you're doing what God wants you to do can I just see your hands okay okay all over the room and for those that couldn't put your hands up the next time you get that nudge from God jump in and you'll experience the same thing he says I'll help you I'll uphold you you're not going to crash and burn you're not going to burn out I'm going to I'm going to uphold you it's kind of like the parent in the pool you know telling the kid jump jump and the kid is scared to death and the parent knows that there's not going to be any injury he's just saying just jump in I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand all right um before I go to my last statement, let me ask you all a question. How many of you in this room are uh, first child? You, you were the first born in your family, first child. Let's see your hand. Or maybe you're the only child. I'm the, I'm the one and the only. <laughs> okay. Let me tell you something about yourself you don't know. You are remarkably fortunate to be alive. Okay? Yes, that's right. Because your parents were terribly inadequate. <laughs> they did not know what they were doing. They were making it up as they went along. You were, you were the practice baby. If you have a sister or a brother that came after you, they had a good safe ride. You were the experimental kid. They were just practicing on you. They were making it up as they went along. Things happened to you that, that angels had to scurry to save you multiple times. That's the only reason that you're here if you're a firstborn child. You can ask old Granny Ernestine across the street. She'll say, yeah, I remember that time when they left you in the car seat on top of that car. And then there was, there was that time they had you with that babysitter down the street who had the meth lab in her basement, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't know. You, you don't know. So your parents were terribly, not their fault, terribly inadequate because we don't know what we're doing. We're, we're just doing our best. But most of us, most of us, we, we get a little bit better, a little bit better, you know, expanding, capacity-expanding experiences. You almost have to 
dive into the pool before you can swim. Don't do that. I'm just giving you, it's just an expression. Don't, don't do that. But there, there's a truth involved in that. All right, here's a statement for you. Relying on Christ and attempting, notice that, attempting, that's important. Attempting what's what? Impossible. If you haven't attempted something that's impossible yet, you're missing the developmental journey that God intends for all of his children. Relying on Christ and attempting what's impossible now, it's impossible for me now, leads to doing the impossible, what does it say? Later. We're all living evidence of that. There was a time that, like I said, you couldn't walk. And best I can tell, you all walked in here today. Maybe all but one. Uh, Danny back there, she, she had a ride in today, but the rest of us walked in. There was a time we couldn't talk. Now some of us can't stop talking. There was a time we couldn't clothe ourselves, feed ourselves, but, but now we're masters at it. We're experts at it, right? So what was once impossible becomes uh, very possible later. But what we've got to do is it's in reliance on Christ so I'm going to take you back one more time. That thing that was on your mind, you felt like God was nudging you. He was saying, you can meet this need. Why don't you sign up? Why don't you, why don't you give it a try? And then for whatever reason, you, you backed out. My schedule's too busy or I'm just inadequate or I don't want to feel out of place or whatever it was. You've got to push past that. God means us to have ventures, adventures with him. And these adventures usually involve us being uncomfortable initially, doing things that are initially impossible so that later on they become very possible for us and, and, and they end up leading to new adventures that bring new development after another, after another, after another. All right, so we have to undertake some things that are impossible if we're going to have these uh, capacity-expanding experiences. Now, Sometimes it's not undertaking or initiating something. Sometimes it's just staying steadfast when we are overtaken by some things. Let me show you what I mean. Overtaken by more than we can bear. So the first part is, is I need to undertake more than I can do, but then I need to bear, just be strong, strong and you know, un, endure when I'm overtaken by more than I can bear. This is also part of God's developmental journey. Let that sink in. God's not being mean. He hasn't abandoned us. Uh, He's not surprised. When we go through situations in life, and I want to make this clear, they are absolutely more than we can bear, okay? It's, It's not as though we're just weak emotionally. There are circumstances that you are going to likely go through. Every one of us in this room, they are more than we can bear. God intends this, though, but he intends it to be a capacity-expanding experience, a developmental experience. In other words, we know the old saying, no pain, no gain. You know, to get stronger, you've got you to be pushing yourself to a place of exhaustion frequently um, to get, hi, hi, what is it? Teresa, what is the word? Hypertrophy? Did I say it correctly? <laughs> um, so you've got to do more than you can do in order to do more than you can do later, more than you can bear. So let's look at a couple scriptures. Here we are back in Mark's gospel. This is the foundation we're taking off from. It says, A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern doing what? What was he doing? Sleeping. It's this massive storm, and he's sleeping. The boat's being swamped. It's being filled with water. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? 
Now picture, these guys were you know, seasoned fishermen, at least some. Uh, they had probably been in lots of storms in their time, but this one was evidently so severe that they literally thought they were going to die. And Jesus is <laughs> sound asleep. And so they wake him and, and they say, don't you, don't you care? In essence, don't you care about us? Can't you see we're in trouble here? Can't you see we're, we're, we're in more than we can bear? Can't you see we're, we're going to drown? We're going to be destroyed. Now, before we read the rest of what Jesus says, make sure we're all on the same page. How many of you think at least there's been at least one time, if not many times, when you felt like you were forced to deal with more than you could bear? Could I just see your hands for a minute? Okay, me too. Multiple times, multiple times. All right, let's look what happens. He got up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. By the way, this could have ended much worse. Jesus could have woken up and said to his his disciples, man, I think I'm going to go for a walk. See, you guys remember he walked on water in a storm. <laughs> Could have been real bad for them. At least he stuck in the boat with them this time. So he stills the storm in an instant, but then he speaks to them. This is something we need to hear. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Do you still not trust me? He's saying, don't, don't, don't you know how I feel about you guys? Don't you know who you're you're here with don't you know who is here with you if I'm sleeping you are safe I don't care what kind of storm is boiling up around you in essence he's saying do you still have no faith do you still have no trust they were terrified and they asked each other who is this even the wind and the waves obey him but they do obey him the one that we trust in the one that loves us the one that will never leave us and never forsake us the one that puts us into storms on purpose squalls on purpose our our boats our lives feel like they're being swamped overwhelmed he does it on purpose because he's with us and he's going to see us through it he's going to rescue us he's going to sustain us but he wants us to go through the storm I'm going to tell you storms at sea um, they're scary how many ever been a storm at sea see your hands yeah man I had a a really bad experience uh, decades ago um, 20 miles out in the ocean and uh, all at once the weather got bad you know and so me and about 65 other people elbow to elbow on a headboat in Ocean City <laughs> we're kind of doing this thing kind of doing this thing next thing I know um, pew, pew, people start to show to display what they had eaten before they got on board and I was like, oh, man, I think I'm going to display mine here in a minute. And so um, I, I try to go away. So I see these guys on the other side of the boat, and they had these T-shirts on, red T-shirts that said such and such Korean Baptist Church. So I thought, oh, man, brothers in Christ, I'm going to go over there and get by them. So I go over there by them. The next thing I know, my men, man, they're slugging down beers like I've never seen them. I mean, at a speed, at a rate. I'm like, I don't, I don't think they got those T-shirts the right way. <laughs> so, somehow this doesn't add up. Well, I'm there, and I'm getting queasier and queasier. Next thing I know, one of them blew up on me and showed me what he had had for breakfast. So I, I, at that point, I was getting sicker and sicker. So I went inside the center in this boat. They had a little center where the man was in there chopping up bait. If you've ever been on one of these head boats, you know what I'm talking about. Well, as soon as that smell hit me, it was not a good thing. So I was feeling very sick. But no sooner I walk in there to get into safety, it was like the Matrix. I mean, somebody projectile vomited, and I was like, I was like Keanu Reeves. <laughs> 
<laughs> Bad things can happen to you, see. Bad things. So they're going through a storm, and Jesus is asleep. Now, that's how some of us feel sometimes, don't we? We're going through something, and we feel like, Lord, don't you see? I'm about to die here. I, I, don't, I don't know if I can endure it another day, and you're doing nothing. Are you there? Do you care? Do you understand what it feels like to be me? But he does. And though he's asleep, he's not unaware. You've got to always know that he's with us. He's for us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. If we're going through the storm and we're having a sense of his presence being absent, it's our problem because he is present and he is aware and he does care and he always rescues those that are his until our mission down here is over. They needed that. They needed that experience. They were going to go through lots of storms after Jesus went to the cross, went back to heaven, and their mission was now to take his mission to the rest of the world, and they were severely persecuted. They faced friction until the end of their lives. Most of them died martyrs' deaths. They needed to be storm-worthy, and the only way you get storm-worthy is you've got to go through some storms. But you've got to know that Jesus is there with you even when it feels like you got to get this part even when it feels like he's not he is all right let's go on philippians 4 capacity expanding experiences that are a little on the stormy side the apostle paul when he wrote this he's actually in jail because of his faithfulness to christ and he says i'm not saying this because i am in need notice the word need for I have learned, okay? It was a capacity-expanding set of experiences is what he's introducing. He said, I didn't always feel this way. I, I, didn't, always, I didn't always have the ability to do this. He says, but, but I learned. It was a process. It was gradual. He says, I have learned to be, what is the word? Content, Content whatever. Whatever the circumstances. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I know something about you we all would like to be able to be that way we would all like to say you know whatever comes in life whatever circumstance I'm in be it high be it low I, I, I could always have climate control I'd always be inside completely content well we can have that our God is here today offering that but it's something that has to be learned it, it is a capacity expanding process we have to go through to get there he says I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances well what's the process Paul I want to learn I know what it is to be in need. Now, we don't like being in need. We, we hate the feeling of feeling like I have some need in my life. First of all, we have to figure out is it a need or is it a want? But anyway, when we feel like we have some need in our life that is not being met, we are not happy people. In fact, we can be downright broken down mentally and emotionally when a need is not being met again and again and maybe for days and months and maybe years and maybe even decades. Something that we have categorized a need, it's not being met. This, this, this brings you down. It brings you into a place where your capacities are either going to be expanded and stretched and brought to a new level of transcendent capacity to endure or you're going to go under and you're going to do bad things just to alter your mood. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. So he, he's saying, I know what it is to have good days, and I know what it is to have really bad days and seasons. I have, and here it is again, I have learned the secret of being content in 
any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Again, my needs not being met. I'm in want. I can do all this through him, meaning Christ, who gives me strength. Now, the only way Paul could learn these was experientially because as he went through the seasons of want and he clung to Christ and he found strength in Christ that he didn't know was available, he found that all of a sudden it started changing his attitude toward his circumstances. Then when he got into seasons of plenty, he still clung to Christ. He still stayed faithful to God. He didn't just forget Jesus when things were looking well. He clung to him and he learned that it didn't matter so much. He learned to become fearless of circumstances because of his great confidence in God. Not confidence in himself, but in God. And this changed him. He was a man. Folks, we all want this. And God is here this morning saying, you can have this. I want you to have this, my people. I, I want you all to have the capacity to be content in any and every circumstance. He said, but the only way you're going to learn this is you're going to have to go through some times when you are anything but content. But if you trust me and you stay faithful to me and you stay obedient to me and my word you'll get through this and when you get through you will not be the same person you, you, you will have a new level of self-control you'll have a new level of confidence in me and a new courageousness as you face life let's look at yet another one 2 Corinthians 1.8 Paul is telling a little bit more of his biographical experiences he says in the province of Asia we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to what? now far beyond our ability to endure all of us in here have been in those situations before at least we have felt like it was beyond our ability so that we despaired of life he goes on but this happened that we might not rely on who ourselves he's saying that the reason you got into the situation where you felt beyond your ability to endure God says I, I know that I wanted that for you I was it was a capacity expanding experience so that you would stop relying unconsciously on yourself and learn it was a new experience learn he goes on to say uh, but on God to rely on God who raises the dead now he uses three different forms of deliver here that are really important to me or have been to me and I hope they will be to you he says, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, meaning past experiences, and he will deliver us again, meaning future. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. What is he saying there? He's saying, I'm going to walk through life confident that every time I'm in a situation that feels like it's beyond my ability to bear, that God is going to rescue me. He's going to deliver me. And he, he's going to do this. He's going to do this not, not just once, not just twice. He's going to do this for the rest of my life. I can walk through life confident that anytime I'm in a situation that feels like to me, it's beyond my ability to endure, that God's somehow going to rescue me. And I am going to be able to endure. The first thing we have to do is stop lying to ourselves. We can't keep telling ourselves, I, I can't take this. I can't take anymore. We have to start saying every time a thought comes into our head, and by the way, I practice this, I can take more and I will take more because Christ is with me and he will enable me not only to take more he'll enable me to grow my capacity will be expanded I'll learn to love like God loves and live like God lives I'll learn what it is to live unselfishly devoted to God and what is right and what is good when it's really hard to just endure another day these are capacity expanding experiences they're for you they're for me they're for all of us but we have to recognize them and we have to 
you know, embrace them, set ourselves under them. And what we want to do when we're in those circumstances that are beyond our ability to bear, here's what every single one of us wants to do. Reflex reaction. I want to escape. I, I, I want to escape the feelings that I have right now. It might be I want to escape this situation where my needs are not being met. I want to escape the feeling of frustration. I want to escape the pressure. I want to escape the tension. I want to escape the anger, the bitterness, whatever it is. We want to run. We want to alter our mood somehow. And the thing we can't do is those things. We have to stay. The word endure that's used here, the Greek word, it means that I'm, I'm staying under something. I'm, I'm going to just let this weight sit on me. That's what endure means. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to escape. I'm not going to do something to alter my mood. Most of us in here know what I'm talking about. There's multiple things we can do, but they're not the right things. We just are meant to endure and wait for the rescue. All right, let me close with this. What cannot be escaped, we learn to endure. The cannot is big there because we're always looking for the escape route. And usually we don't learn to endure until we're forced to endure. You know, the doors are all locked and we have no choice left. At least that's pretty much been me in my experience. Endurance will either produce godly resilience and beauty. We become beautiful people when we're under circumstances that are not desirable for an indefinite period of time if we stay close to Christ. We, we become more patient. We become more compassionate. We become more gentle. We become more humble. We become more forgiving. We become more broken and tender with others because we are broken ourselves. We become beautiful people. We, we, we don't become bitter people. Either produces godly resilience and beauty or, or, I have to be frank, or ungodly resentment and bitterness. We say, God, why are you doing this to me? Why aren't, you, why aren't you helping me? You could help me if you wanted to. Why are you letting me suffer all this? You don't love me. You don't care about me. You, you could change this. And so we become resentful and we become bitter at God and often we become bitter at ourselves. We become bitter at life. And where does that end us? Not a good place. So, two questions to close with. Undertaking things that are impossible for us to do let's go back now or maybe let's make it present tense what might Jesus be inviting you into there's a need of some sort and that need is his invitation for you to get involved with him in doing something that you do not feel adequate to do in fact it's downright impossible for you to do but you're going to join hands with Jesus. You're going to take this adventure with him, and you're going to watch him multiply your little dinky five loaves and two fish until it turns into something magnificent. And in the process, your capacities are going to be expanded, and you're going to become a great person. You're going to become a great woman, a great man, a great Christian, a great servant of God. You're going to become somebody that anybody that meets is going to know. This was a wonderful human being that I just touched with. You need that. You want that. You don't want to waste your life. Second question. Is there something, is there something that you, I, we need to endure just clinging to Jesus, waiting for his rescue, maybe multiple rescues over and over again that we've been trying to run from, we've been trying to escape, we, we've been trying to sidestep because we're cheating life, we're cheating God, we're cheating ourselves. We just need, we just need to stay faithful, just stay true to God, just endure. 
just wait for the rescue. And the rescue sometimes comes in small pieces, not big, dramatic ones. Two questions. What is it that God wants us this morning to undertake that's impossible? What does he want us to accept that we've been overtaken by that feels equally impossible? But he just says, man, you're, if you stay faithful, you'll endure and you'll grow and you'll become blessed and beautiful and a blessing. Don't waste your life. I'm going to repeat this again. I don't know, man. It's just on my heart. Somebody in here, I just feel, I just feel like you've been You've been wasting, you've been kind of doggy paddling with life. You've been wasting the God-given potential he's given you. You're not serving God. You're not serving anybody. You're like the black hole of emotional need. You've been trying to suck everything into yourself, and you're dying slowly because of it. I don't know who you are. And I'm not real spooky here, but I just felt like God wants somebody to hear that this morning. You have a God-given opportunity today to stop being that black hole of emotional need and step into the light, the life that's worth living. Let, let, let's just pray. Father, thank you for the, the wonderful, brilliant plan that you have for expanding our capacities, for our development, for us each and every one reaching our full redemptive potential in Christ. Um, Lord, you, you have special personal messages for each of us. Please that your spirit will just keep wrestling if necessary with our souls through this day and through this week. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen.